This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Joy 94.9, Sound Museum tonight, your inside guide to the music industry with myself, Leo and Brian tonight. Now, Brian, we love going back to the 80s. We sure do. I do. I know that for sure. Oh, it's a great era for mm-hmm. music. This next guest on the phone has had eight studio albums, four top five UK albums, including two number ones, seven top ten UK singles. He's a multiple Brit Award winner, and he's actually performed in some big events, including Live Aid... A big joy welcome to Paul Young. Hi, Paul. Hey, thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. Most people will know your music from the 80s or those classic songs, but you first got started in bands. Yeah, I did, yeah. Funny thing is, that's where I'm happiest, really. I like being in bands. I've got a Tex-Mex band that I've had for 25 years called Los Pacaminos. And the solo career was something I kind of I fell into, and it just happened to be very successful. So I ran with it. <laughs> and uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. But um, I'm, I'm not much of a loner. I enjoy the company of musicians and that type of thing. So I'm very glad I had the success, of course. Because in the 70s, you were in three different bands. And before you went solo, you were in a group called the Q-Tips. And you supported The Who. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We, we toured with The Who. The uh, Q-Tips had a very good name for themselves on the live circuit. That was back when there really was a live circuit. Um, in the UK, it's kind of got a bit um, hit and miss now as to good places to play. But back then, there was a lot, and uh, we used to do every university up and down the country, and then we lucked in with The Who. In fact, they they, they were very good to uh, us. They gave us free time in their studio. Um, they, they were really helpful. Paul, if we look back over the years, 1982, you signed a solo deal with CBS Sony, and in 1983... No Parlez, uh, the debut album hit number one in the UK, and The Secret Association also number one in the UK in 1985. Plus, uh, Between Two Fires hit number four in the UK in 86. With spawning these massive hits, Wherever I Lay My Hat, That's My Home, Come Back and Stay, Love of the Common People, Every Time You Go Away, which is my ultimate Paul Young track. Looking back on that era, Paul, what's it like for you looking back You know, over a couple of decades and all those achievements? I suppose it's kind of... It's anything you could ever want. If you're a musician, then you want to be you want to be successful, but also you want to be you're trying trying to do something, you're trying to make music, and you just really hope that people like it. So when they do, and it t- starts to turn into big sales, you, you do breathe a bit of a sigh of relief in between all the manic work that you're doing. Wherever I lay my head, that's my From the heart of a family man Daddy's gonna buy you a dream to cling to Mama's gonna love it just as much as she can And she can Just come back and stay for good this time Come back and stay for good this time Come back and 
working with Bob when you do have a hit single the work gets even more tougher because you've got to be in places that once you've got to be in the states and the UK and everyone wants you at the same time 1984 you strained your vocal cords while in the US you did like 13 shows in 14 days some crazy times back yeah. then yeah that that was madness that was my first time in America and I just couldn't say no to anything basically it was meant to be 12 shows in 14 days which is bad enough but then they still put pressing on every day. So I was having to wake up, do press, sometimes wake up early in the morning and, and do like the breakfast TV shows and still have a gig that night. Sometimes I'd have to, uh, the band could get on a tour bus and sleep overnight, but I'd have to go to bed at about midnight and then be up at four to get a flight. And it's just, and then oh. we, uh, the pretenders pulled out of an afternoon festival and we, and it was on the way between one gig and another. <laughs> so we one as well. And it was just ridiculous, you know. But I, I didn't know how much the human body could stand. I was just so excited to be for everything to be happening. I was going, yeah, I'll do this, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Vocal then, cords yeah. m- m- made out of titanium, Cord. Paul. <laughs> What's the remedy for that, for strained vocal cords? Say no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, no, for, for, um, for my particular thing, it was muscular strain. So I just had to take time off, let it rest. And then it was almost like having muscles and muscles. So it's like having a strained muscle in your leg. So you have to take the weight off it for a while and then you have to start to exercise it back. But it takes time and it's incredibly frustrating. You tend not to think of the voice as a muscle. So you just get really sort of depressed about the fact that it's not there. Mm. You've had so many highlights of your career, I guess. One of the highlights was you got to do the opening lines for Band-Aid, Do They Know It's Christmas, and it was supposed to go to David Bowie. So that was a, been a, a yeah. pretty big deal because um, at that stage you weren't that well-known in the States and that song just blew up everywhere and everyone knew who you were. Yeah, that's right, yeah. It, uh, it probably gave me a big step up the ladder in America because, once again, the first album was very diverse in his choice of material and styles so america had a big problem trying to categorize me because they love a category all their radios their whole radio radio system was built on categorization so they were mor or they were aor or they were rock stations or they were r&b stations so you had to fit the category and uh, but if you bridged between two or three like i did it became a kind of a major problem they had a big difficulty breaking the first album and um, by the time it got to the second we got every time you go away on there and that was much more suited to to American Airways. Speaking of America um, Paul, Live Aid was a huge event. I actually watched some footage on DVD this afternoon of um, yourself doing your Live Aid gig and you did a duet with um, Alison Moyer. America was involved it was this, yeah. this huge event all over the world what an amazing time 
that must have been because, I mean, looking back now, I mean, I, I can't imagine a bigger concert. That was a, a huge deal. Yeah, it was a huge concert, yeah. I was actually in America. There, there, there was no way that I was to know when I said yes to appearing at Live Aid that my success would start to take off in America. So I was touring America and I had to fly back to play on the English stage because they wouldn't let me play on the American stage. I can understand they've got enough to be getting on with apart from me going, oh, I don't want to be there now, I want to be here now. So uh, they, they said, no, we can't change it. So I had to fly back to the UK, do my appearance and then get on a plane because I'd booked a holiday close to America so that I could go back and continue my tour of America. So in the end, I gulped off at the end of the Live Aid concert. Uh, <laughs> my part on, um, on Do They Know It's Christmas. Oh, <laughs> wow. I really needed that break. Yeah. And if I didn't leave Wembley, I wouldn't have got my flight. Oh, boy. Now, look, if that wasn't enough for you, Paul, in uh, 1988, you sang the credit house track Don't Dream It's Over at the uh, Nelson Mandela 30th birthday uh, celebration show and the Freddie Mercury tribute concert you performed Radio Gaga in 1992. How was all that for you, mate? That was great. I mean, the, the, uh, the Freddie Mercury concert, I remember vividly. I remember the rehearsals and I remember going in and the first time they struck up on Radio Gaga uh, with these three iconic musicians and uh the thing i was amazed at was how they could sound so individual so unlike any other band when we'd had rock and roll music for 30 years and you'd think that it it had all been done i thought how can one band strike up and start to play and go unbelievable that is queen it couldn't be anybody else it's incredible that that can still happen when there's only so many notes you can play and so many things you can do with them that you could still get that degree of individuality. And then the concert, standing there going, oh, we here, we ready, and everybody doing that was like the most incredible feeling. Now, Paul, that same year, you actually left uh, Sony Music and you did a quote on your website, every artist wants to change, yet every record company wants them to stay the same. Now, our show is about the music industry, and that's still quite relevant even for today, because labels hate change. They like the same old thing. They do, yeah. And th- there are some bands that are happy to just do that one thing. But um, I like every kind of music going. Yeah, you, you know, I agree with that famous saying. I don't know who said it first. Some people say it's Ray Charles. You know, there's only two types of good music. Uh, there's only two types of music, good music and bad music. And that's true, because I didn't really get rap until I heard Dr. Dre and Snoop and then I thought okay now that I know that's good and I understand what it's all about now so sometimes if you don't understand a particular genre it's just because you haven't heard the artist that pushes your buttons that touches you you know so um, I've always liked a lot of diversity in my stuff and um, that creates a problem for the record company because when they go to market the next album well it's different to the album that was before so they can't use the same marketing technique. It's like they constantly wanted me to do mm. ballads this time, and I was going, I don't want to do ballads all the time, and I don't want to be predictable, which is why I did a... Um, after Sony dropped me and I signed with East West, uh, I did an album where I did a version of Frank Sinatra's It Was A Very Good Year, but I did it with drum loops and heavy guitar sounds and samples from Beck and Shakespeare's sister and all stuff like that, you know, so... I'm always trying to do something that's unexpected. 
your new album. What I love about it, Paul, is it's, it's very soulful. You've got some great musicians on the album. It's great. It's it really good. It sounds really organic. I had the windows down driving into the studio tonight, uh, having a bop along to the uh, new album. Good thing, Mr. Young. Uh, good stuff. Uh, yeah, I think it's good driving music. It is. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, how did you decide what songs to cover for this album? I got together with Arthur Baker, who came up with the original idea of going back to the Stax catalogue. Really, what I'm doing is I'm revisiting my past on this album. So the idea of actually getting back to my roots for a little while and maybe grounding myself again and then using that as a platform to go on to do the next couple of albums, I thought, actually, that's not such a bad idea. Maybe I should get back to the soul and R&B genre and get comfortable with it again. And then I can look at what I've done and go, okay, where can I go next? Now, there's a collection of soul covers uh, on that album. Also reworked an absolute iconic track by the Bee Gees called Words. How did that come about for you, Paul? The original plan was to do all songs from the stack catalogue and for the, the current owners to um, put up the money to make the album. So instead of using the record company, we'd use a publishing company to finance the recording. But when that idea fell through, we kind of went back to the drawing board for a bit and Arthur said, OK, so this this criteria it doesn't really matter anymore so is there anything else you do you always wanted to try and uh i love the bgs i love their material and uh, i've always liked that song and run to me as well mm. yeah I, re- I really fancy doing words but let's do it in the same style so the kind of how would al green have approached a cover of words and so that's kind of the way i i did mine it's only words You turned 60 in January, so when are you going to come back down here to see us? I'm, I'm hoping if I get any kind of decent record sales, I'd love to get down to Australia again. I'd love to bring Los pa- Pacaminos. Maybe I could be my own support act. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you something, Paul. Uh, last night, you would have, you did actually notice the tweet that I put out on my website about your new single, and uh, you did reply back saying, in that case, get me oh, down yeah. to Australia now. That was me. That's my Twitter. And uh, we did have a, a comment from uh, a couple of the fans coming in. They're big fans of yours, replying, saying they'd you know, yeah. they love to see you down here, especially one that said he'll put you up at his place and his dog wouldn't mind. Exactly, yeah, and I've got a like on it, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. I've, I've been in the doghouse plenty of times. <laughs> Quite comfortable. Finally, Paul, um, aside from, from music, um, we hear that you're a bit of a handyman in the kitchen as well. Jeez, oh, one, one out of a million. In men. the UK, you've um, been on um, Celebrity MasterChef and House Kitchen. Now, we have our version of MasterChef starting in the next couple of weeks. What's your signature dish at the moment? What How like handy to- are you in the kitchen? Well, uh, yeah, and I must admit, we get Australian MasterChef as well, and it's great to watch because you're able to work with different ingredients and things yes. like that. There's a whole other thing that's going on down there, so 
I've watched a couple of those. They're fascinating. But um, my three favourite foods are Cajun food, Italian food, that's primarily for the family, and Mexican food. In fact, there's another cuisine that's kind of being born out of Santa Fe, which is a mixture of Mexican, American Indian, Asian, and classic American. And uh, that's lovely, lovely fresh food, using fresh chilies and things like that, but not over, over, overdoing it just to really bring out the flavours of everything. So they're, they're my favourite. Have you been down to Malta, Paul? Because my, my background is Maltese, and obviously they're, you know, oh, yeah. they're very handy in the kitchen, I yeah. have to say, the Maltese people. Have you been down to Malta and uh, taste-tested some of their signature dishes? I haven't, no. I've played concerts there, but generally I'm in and out so fast I might get one meal if I'm lucky. Mm. And hopefully we'll see you down here for some shows this year. Yeah, we'd love to see you down here, Paul. Yeah, I know, it's got to happen. Thank you so much, Paul. All right, cheers. Thank you, guys. Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.